Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. This is Jeff Frederick, and I'm here recording live at KitCon in Silicon Valley with a special guest, Elizabeth Hendrickson. Elizabeth, Hi. thanks for joining us. Can you tell us just a, a bit about yourself uh, for our listeners? And, uh, and then we have a topic that I'm very excited about getting into. Um, I never know what to say about myself. So mm-hmm. um, I just if you know me, you know me as test obsessed on Twitter, but now moved to Mastodon at ruby.social. Um, and I have a tiny, tiny fledgling company called Curious Duck Digital Laboratory. All right, and we'll put links in the show notes, of course. But Elizabeth, we're here, and you said, and I'm gonna talk about what topic to discuss, and you said, I had a dream, <laughs> <laughs> which you thought would be great. And I'm like, fantastic, let's hear about your dream, and we'll talk about what symptoms you think it captures and what this means, and let's go from there. So tell us, tell us. It, about it occurs you. to me that that comes across, um, especially in this month, as very grandiose, and that is not at all the context in right. which I said I had I had a dream. Yes. What I think I said to you was I didn't tell you about my Friday. Yeah. <laughs> where um, I I woke up Friday morning with a dream still in my head that was so awful. And so realistic. It ended up with my writing 3,800 words in an article that I had not expected to write. And it's a topic I'm still exploring. But the dream itself, to set the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, this is so weird that we're in person because I have spent so much of my life in the last three years on Zoom calls. But here we are. <laughs> we are in a conference room in the Netflix campus that is absolutely gorgeous. And it actually is, it feels a little bit like my dream where I was a VP of engineering. Right. In this conference, not this one, board, but board, a conference room. And the boardroom style layout, classic lovely wood table, fantastic AV, good tasteful lighting. Yes, yeah. yes. Very feeling actually creepily familiar. <laughs> um, and in my dream, this was a, a, a kickoff where everyone in the room rolled up to me. We had a program manager who was going to do the facilitation for the kickoff. And the organization in my dream was expanding rapidly. So we had a bunch of new hires. And one of the new hires was a lovely woman who was our first data scientist, but was going to become the head of the new data science department. And we also had someone who I knew was coming in as a new director reporting to me. And there were two managers in the room who I knew were going to end up reporting to the director because we were expanding rapidly. But this kickoff was we were going to kick off some other stuff and we were not getting into all of that right it was awful from the very beginning like the it turned out the program manager didn't have a plan for the agenda for the kickoff and so he ended up scrambling around to show a video about scrum and i remember sitting there going okay i don't want to undermine this guy but what is going on here and stuff happens stuff happens and finally i say well you know, um, I have an idea. This is a kickoff. What if we talked about our working agreements? Mm. And so we could just kind of go around and, and as an example of the first one, we could, uh, you know, agree or disagree to have a working agreement that we're going to talk about our working agreements. And so we start going around and people are going, yes, yes. And then the new director says, well, no, and then starts pontificating about stuff. And I'm, I, just, right. I, I cut him off and I felt awful about cutting him off because here I'm undermining this guy who has just started and he's going to report to me and this is not a good way to start the relationship. And then, but things moved on and I sidled up to him and I said, oh, I'm really sorry I cut you off, but I didn't feel like we needed to explain it, just like you didn't agree, so we didn't do it. Okay, so then finally, 
the program manager who's facilitating. And again, all of this is a dream, but it was so real. You've been an executive in this kind of scenario before. Well, not this exact one. <laughs> but but yeah, so so the facilitator says, oh, I just realized we didn't do introductions. So why don't we just pause and back up and we're going to do introductions. And so he starts going around the room and it gets to the new director um, who, who says, oh, well, I'm the new VP of infrastructure, something, something, automation, something, something. And I'm like, hold up, you're the what now? <laughs> and it turns out I have this sudden realization that just like the two managers didn't know that they were not going to continue reporting to me, they were going to report to this guy. Mm -hmm. It turns out what I didn't know was that he had accepted a job as my peer. Right. And was the VP. And the feeling in my stomach, I felt like I was in free fall and my stomach was doing flips. And I w that's the feeling I had when I woke up. Right. And no, I've never been in this exact situation, but mm -hmm. that feeling of sudden realization that a thing I believed to be true about the way that the universe works. Right. I was finding out in a very awkward moment that that was not at all how the universe works. And so that's what led me to ha write 3,800 words in which I distilled out a model of um, organizational politics, looking at dimensions of power, and then looking at what does it mean if an organization is political and how each of us has the power that we think we have. Mm -hmm. And here I'm defining power as the ability to affect change within an organization. Your power is your ability to affect change. So you think you have power, and I've mm -hmm. seen executives who have that title power, but actually are getting nothing done, like literally nothing. They are so disconnected from the work mm -hmm. that they make these grand edicts and then are confused when the organization doesn't just automatically do the thing they said, right? right. So they think they have power, but their actual power is way less. And so there's this delta between their belief in their power and what they can actually do. Mm. But then there's this third dimension, which is future power, and that's ambition. And mm. so you start to look at the difference between all of those things. And then you start to look at the fact that power only exists in relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not an absolute, it's a relation. And then you look at the fact that there are five of us sitting around this table at this moment in this room. And so the handshake equation is five times, in this case, n times n minus one divided by two. So five times four, 20, there's 10 handshakes here, right? Mm -hmm. And so that whole triangle of the power I think I have, the power that I actually have to affect change within the organization, and then my ambitions, whatever those may be, which may be to let go of power. Like, you know, if I think that I'm done managing and just want to go crawl into a corner and write some bash, right? like that's, that's still an ambition <laughs> to escape, right? But that's still that delta. And then we look at the relationships. And so you can kind of think about conceptually mm -hmm. that the politicalness of an organization is that function of the size of the deltas multiplied by the number of relationships. And then I did a little bit of math because I'm a math geek. And I realized <laughs> that's why if you have a startup of 15 people mm -hmm. and they're all interacting with each other and they say, oh, we're not political at all. We're very small. That's how you end up with an organization that has two mag orders of magnitude more politics than anybody thinks. Right. Because you kind of take the average of all of those deltas of power, actual perceived ambition, multiplied by the number of relationships. This is why this is hard. 
So there's there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. Now, first of all, so sorry, you, it was a very powerful dream. It's a very powerful dream. And now, of course, the people listening, you know, when they heard that you had a dream, were probably thinking it was very positive. And now you're no, like, very no, negative, <laughs> total nightmare. Right. And but it, it's and I think what's great about that is a reveal for our listeners is first of all that was what happened in your dream you had this big reveal where suddenly things weren't what you were expecting so you know welcome listeners for you know hopefully you don't mind uh, but that's and that's the moment that a symptom that people might feel in an organization which is suddenly someone might have this sinking feeling that things don't work the way that they thought they were should work ought to work. And that's probably something that a lot of our listeners can, you know, had had that experience in one way or another. You know, I thought we worked this way. I thought this was our process. I thought this person was a decision maker. I thought I had control over this. You know, <laughs> who are they to be telling us what to do? And so and you're saying like, OK, well, here's a framework about how to think about it. If you're having that aha moment, what you've uh, uncovered is a delta along one or more of these dimensions. Is that? I would say so I was thinking about it more in terms of characterizing the how political an organization is because we mm -hmm. sometimes talk about it, this this organization is very political and what does that even mean? I see. And it's in these incredibly political organizations because in my dream then I had this sort of like mental follow up of oh I have to go talk to my boss who right. has, obviously hasn't made this stuff clear to me. Right. Um, and and what I was realizing was that a um, in a highly political organization, these things tend to be very turbulent, right. very, very turbulent. And so you've got a much higher probability of the world kind of the rug getting pulled out from under your feet. Right. And what makes it an organization that's highly political? And that's where that sort of the deltas come in. So the larger the delta, the more political. The larger the average delta, like Among, maybe- Across, across integrated across, across all individuals in the organization. Who interact with each other. Because if right. you've got a 30,000 person company, sure, it's not they, the handshake of 30,000 people, right? Because right? they don't all interact. Right. But like maybe you're super ambitious, so you're very clear about what power you actually hold, and mm -hmm. that is very accurate, but you're super ambitious. And maybe I'm not as ambitious. I'm fine with the power I think I have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Only it turns out that I'm delusional about how much power I actually have. And so you right. kind of take, and this all exists in relationship with all of us. And mm -hmm. so then an organization that is highly political has these this massive amount of deltas. And mm -hmm. that's where you're going to get the rug pulled out from under you, your higher probability of it. Now, it was interesting for me. One of the things that makes it, there's a lot of things that make this interesting to me. One is, I remember someone's talking about politics and saying, why are we making politics inherently a bad thing? Politics is the process by which human organizations make decisions. 100%. So, and but you're here describing in part about something about the negative aspects of when we, the negative attribution we have to politics arise when there are these gaps that people uh, discover, you know, and, and, and that's what we mean by political is sort of is that is the um, lack of transparency, lack of legibility of how decisions get made. Is it something like that? Yeah, I could totally agree with that. This is still something that I'm, I'm kind of distilling out. So it's not like I've written a whole book and I've got it figured out. Right. But I would 100% agree. Politics is not inherently bad. You can't escape it. And yeah. in an organization, you also don't get to say, well, I don't play politics because you're on the field whether or not you want to be. <laughs> so it's not inherently bad. It is the process by which things move forward. Mm -hmm. But what does make it bad is when you are in a context that it, and this is the connection between toxicity and 
and politics for me, where it is a a high political organization. So then you start to discover that the only people who can get things done Mm -hmm. in that kind of organization are the willing, the ones who are willing to do things that many of us are simply not willing to do Mm -hmm. the because everything is turbulent. And so in that turbulence, how am I going to achieve an outcome? Mm -hmm. Well, some people resort to manipulation, lying, backstabbing, sabotage. And so the higher, I would argue that there is a correlation between greater, um, uh, a more political organization and greater toxic behaviors. Okay. Because, um, and again, when you say by more political, you mean there's more uncertainty, there's more gaps here in, in the average gap between people's perceptions and therefore that induces more toxic behavior because that becomes a viable strategy to get ahead. Totally. And those gaps, I would actually, I would call that a power delta because it kind of makes a triangle. So it's kind of like a delta and it's a difference between the power you think you have, the power you actually have to affect change yep. and the power you want to have. And that that's sort of a triangle if you think about the up direction as future. Okay. I want to bring in an anti-toxic dimension here. Sweet. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to bring something I may have talked about before in the podcast, but I actually don't remember. But it certainly comes up when, in talking about communication for me as I talk about whether things are ethical or not. Mm-hmm. And, and which here we might relate to your, what you described as toxicity. Um, and I would say this. Um, tactics that you can avow. In, in other words, if I tell someone I'm doing the tactic, if it still works or even gets stronger, it's ethical. And if... If I avow it by undermine it, it's unethical or toxic. So if I use your example, I'm going to test it here. So if I said, for example, hey, look, we're trying to make this decision. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to our mutual boss and I'm going to lay out our difference of opinion and see if if he agrees with me or with you. And of course, I'm going to make the case best, but that's my plan. If I avow that I'm doing that, right, then I would say it's an ethical thing to do and would work against the toxicity mm-hmm. that you're describing. Whereas someone who does it secretly mm-hmm. and says, okay, here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna secretly go to our mutual boss. Right? Well, though, guess, guess what? It's no longer a secret. Right, totally. And, and, so, and so there's a, I think there's a dimension here, which, and I, and I bring this forward, is something like, we get to like, well, what can I do if I find myself in a political organization? And what I often tell people is, work to develop avowable strategies because what you're doing then is you're is your you know you're you are in this uncertain environment there is turbulence and so then what you do is plot out paths that are are transparent and and say that you're doing it like i and because the idea of like we want to get something done is not is not a negative thing to, oh, to, totally ha- not. to have ambitions to affect change that's that's normal and expected and desirable in people and, and I t- talk to people about this in terms of um, uh, having more uh, autonomy, right? You know, so if you want to develop power in an organization, you need to develop your autonomy, your ability to go get things done. And the way that you do that in part is, again, having available strategies. So how is this as a, as a what are your thoughts on this? Because you did say like, oh, I think there's a connection between this situation and your book, Agile Conversations. Absolutely. No, it totally is. I I would add two more. I love that. Absolutely Mm -hmm. love the way that you tied that together. Mm -hmm. Um, There are two more dimensions that I think are really important. One is truth. So Mm -hmm. avow. I can avow. I'm going to go to our mutual boss and tell him how you didn't deliver on that last project. And you're sitting here going, but I 
did so (laughs) but i've avowed so i'm i'm clean right Mm -hmm. but i think truth is really important or at least truth as you best understand it given that reality is is actually a social construct like we're we're creating reality all the time together um and then the second one is consent Mm -hmm. and so especially if it's something that could potentially be sensitive like i plan to go to our mutual boss and have this conversation Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Would you be okay with that? Do you want to come with me and we can have the conversation all together? But that consent piece, I think, is essential. And consent can help completely undercut manipulation. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a culture of we we have to agree that this was an okay thing mm-hmm. and informed like it's, it's coerced co- consent is not consent. Right. It has to be with the full information. Like I'm getting this data from you. Okay, what do you plan to do with it? Right. That's yeah. the the informed part. I'm. I. I this You're is interesting. So-so? Yeah, I'm very so-so on this. Tell me consent. more. Okay. So this is Because I would find it difficult to believe that truth and consent are actually controversial. Well, so I think the, the well the the truth part I was okay with, right? And and but but the, to be clear, you said I'm going to go tell the truth as I understand it. And mm-hmm. my view may be, I feel you didn't deliver on the project given what was agreed. And your view may be, well, we did, mm-hmm. right? We may have differences of opinion, but the fact that I'm, I guess, but the fact that I'm telling you my what I'm planning to do, then you can choose. So I believe rather than consent, I believe in informed choice. Okay. Which are which are which are a little bit different, and in particular because if you kind of think of the um, getting to yes book mm-hmm. about negotiation, and they did a, a BATNA. The yeah. best alternative negotiated agreement. Well, if I have an uncooperative partner, I can't be held hostage as someone who just will never consent to something that would, you know, might move things ahead. I don't, and so that's why for me, consent is not uh, as high of a virtue as in, uh, informed choice. That's that's totally fair, and I completely see what you're saying. On the, I want to be clear on the truth part. Yeah, I was supposing a thing where I'm actually lying, where yeah. I know that you delivered right. and you know that you delivered but i'm avowing i'm gonna go but, but tell if I, a lie but if I, essentially well that's it and i think i would argue that's going to argue against it if i can tell you i'm gonna go to our boss and i'm gonna lie that's my my plan here is i'm gonna i'm gonna backstab and undercut you and uh-huh. and i think i think my guess is if i tell you that it's gonna undercut my strategy it will undermine it and that's what i'm saying is that the the act of 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 um avowing it makes it less powerful than if I did it secretly. And the fact that it makes it less effective uh, is, is a sign that it's unethical. <laughs> and, oh, okay, that's fair. Yeah, yes, that's, I, and, I see what you're and, saying. Exactly, so the fact that it, because it becomes less powerful when I avow it, that's a sign that it's unethical or toxic. Whereas if I, if I, if I tell you what I'm gonna do and it makes it more powerful, like, and for example, I like your example. If I said, I'm gonna go and share my, side, my view of what's happened, and would you like to come with me? And then we'll have that discussion. That would make it actually a more effective dialogue, right? I'm more likely to actually get the things resolved if I'm saying that, even if we disagree, then it's a sign that what I'm doing is is ethical and, and not toxic. That's the, that's the hypothesis. That's the scenario. You look skeptical. Oh, no, I was just thinking about the role of consent, because I do think that there are times when consent is critical. And I was just reflecting in my head about when. Yeah. And there are some boundaries where, like, take my dream. This guy who I thought I hired to be a director reporting to me and run a portion of my organization has accepted a role as a VP as my peer. Yes. 
And there was a consent step that didn't happen. Yes. And maybe it's consent might not be exactly the right word, but I would have expected to have a conversation with my boss, who this guy reports to, or uh, my boss sure. was saying, look, hey, I have this other idea in mind. Here's what I'm thinking. Absolutely. Would you be okay with that? And then, you know, if I say no, in an organizational hierarchy, and that, this is, you know, the power dynamic. He can say, "Well, tough." <laughs> right. And, and exactly. And to me, that that's 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 where informed choice comes in. Right. And then you can decide. You have informed choice. Do I want to stay in this organization or not? So what you're describing in consent, it seems like pretty isomorphic with uh, informed uh, informed choice. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, fantastic. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. That was a very exciting dream, and I'm curious to hear from our listeners. <laughs> How does this resonate with you? Have you, uh, if you go and integrate the level of uncertainty and, and differences and opinion in your organization, are you political or are you not political? Do you agree that politics inherently is neutral? It's just a fact? Or do you think politics are inherently political? Or do you uh, uh, find one element that we're really missing? In any case, we'd love to hear from you. You can hear from more from Elizabeth at... Uh, CuriousDuck.io. And we'll have a link in the show notes. And of course, you can hear more from us every week uh, by going to Agile Conversations and finding the Troubleshooting Agile podcast where we're here every Wednesday. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you.